Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for exit so you can maximize value and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus, and I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsword. Today, I'm talking to Andrew Bull. Andrew's the author of Monsters of Team Performance. So in the conversation, Andrew's going to share with us how team performance can impact the culture of your business and hold back productivity. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for inviting me on the show, Daryl. It's great to be here. And it's interesting that uh, you mentioned productivity, because I also think uh, if you're a business owner who's thinking about exiting their business, that there's something to be said about having the right team and culture in place inside your business as well. But I'm sure we'll get into that. I'm sure we will, Andrew. So look, how did you end up like monsters? Like, what's that all about? What's going on there? Well, uh, to be honest, I think business owners have too much to do. And reading another business book is something else to do. And we have to understand we're not only competing against another business book when we're trying to get people to connect with our ideas. We're also competing with Netflix or going for a walk or other things. So my idea is to make a book which is a bit different, a bit creative and a bit engaging and really easy to get into um, and that you can have a bit of fun with. So it's not just a, a really grey, boring business book. It's There's a bit of fun and just a different way of looking at these ideas, which hopefully will make it a bit more gettable for busy business owners. So trying to engage a bit, you know, combine a bit of entertainment in there. But I'm guessing there's a, there's a real serious side to the book. You know, you know, team performance, I'm guessing the monsters are the things that hold back team performance and, and prevent, you know, teams, management teams, leadership teams, um, operational teams from working uh, as effectively as they could be. That's such a great question. And you're so right, because I think what I say in the book is our business is like a spaceship the enterprise right we, we we set our targets we're going to go to that planet over there that's what we want to achieve and then when we get there we're going to have a very successful company and we'll be ready to exit or to float it or whatever we want to do with it mm -hmm. but we become so consumed sometimes with the journey and all the problems which are exterior to our business and to the spaceship so we think oh the reason the business isn't going as fast as it could is because of marketing or because of sales or we don't have the right software and sometimes we don't actually turn our gain gaze inwards and think oh actually the reason we're going a bit slower is because we've got issues inside the spaceship inside the enterprise that are actually holding us back and these can be really um quite hard to see because you know when you're in the forest you can't see the woods for the trees and but but they can they can make a huge difference so for example the relationships between your team members could make a massive difference in how fast you can get through projects and get tasks finished or how much you repeat the same mistakes over and over again because if your team don't have great relationships for example they might not be willing to share mistakes with each other because they're scared that if i tell you oh by the way you know when i did this pitch last week to this client it went wrong because i did this if people don't share that kind of insight, well, the next time someone else in the office does the same pitch, there's a good chance they'll make the same mistake. So this is where, where team performance and relationships becomes something that can really accelerate or impede the business. Okay, so we're talking the, 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 the cultural side, the soft issues. 
which are sometimes referred to as the hard issues, because they're, they're a lot harder to deal with and a lot harder to see, which I think you're alluding to there. Andrew, how much of this have you taken from perhaps um, team sports and, and, and the sporting field? Is there, have, did you see much crossover? I think there, there, there is a crossover because you can see how quickly a culture of a team can change once a strong leader comes into a team. It can really transform. You can have the same group of players and if the right leader's there, uh, who who instills the right mindset, it can make a huge difference. And I think with with teams, uh, sports teams, it's so noticeable on the surface because you can see it on the pitch and we're in the results straight away. So there's definitely some crossover. The the place where it really came to me in the in the first place, though, all these challenges was uh, during my time in the film industry, when you're working in really intense, complex environments. Uh, you know half construction site, half, half high-tech software, robots, actors, crews scattered all, all over, the, over the world. So you've got all these complex factors on whether your project's going to be a success or not. And you see all the time that a lot of the things that are dragging the, the performance down of the project is, is individuals, really, or the culture is dragging it down. Like, for example, blame culture is something that unfortunately rears its head quite a lot in the film industry when a project goes wrong because there's so much money involved. But often things like blame culture don't actually help because we just spend our time pointing fingers at each other rather than actually learning what we could all do better. Yeah. Okay, so um, we talk about monsters. I'm, I'm guessing there's a, there's a number of monsters that you address. That's right. There's eight different monsters. So the blame blob would be one. Uh, we've got something like called the Eternal Destroyer, uh, Emoti Bomb, the, the Hangry Snuggler, and so on. Sounds like a, a bit of a sci-fi movie. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it could be. Maybe. Maybe it'll get bought by Warner Brothers and get turned into a film one day. Who knows? All righty. So how does a, uh, someone who reads the book, what, what will they learn from the book uh, uh, to help them address or... or kill off or, or whatever we do with these monsters yeah that's an interesting that's an interesting question well first thing you'll you can learn really the deep role that a team plays in your business which you may or may not be aware to some degree and and the difference that it can make to your to your business i mean some businesses in the uk there's a survey done last year by the house of commons library so that's if you're outside the uk you might not know that but the house of Co commons is is our government and it has its own library which is independent of the politics and they do a big survey amongst businesses and in this big survey they did it turns out that some companies earn 1.8 times more revenue than others um, and so i go into this in the book looking into why this is and then i help people identify some of these challenges stroke monsters within their business, um, which are going to be slowing down their business. And then I give action steps. Once you've identified that monster, so you can look at the book and go, oh, we're suffering from the blame blob. And you get the symptoms, you get to learn how to spot it um, and the damage it causes. And then I give you action steps that you can actually take with your business. So you can help to eliminate it and throw it out of the spaceship and into a black hole, get rid of it. Okay. Well, you, you, you talked about this blame blog. What are some of the things you can do? Well, I think one thing you, you should be aware of is uh, an overly competitive culture within a business. And that can be around money or it could be around uh, redundancy. I mean, right now, 
there's going to be a few companies looking at making people redundant because we're potentially going into a big downturn. Um, but when you have those kind of things coming along, if you have too much intense competition, then it becomes kind of a rational choice for people to start pushing each other out the boat. And one way you can do that is by pointing fingers at each other. So there's lots of things like this we can do. Like once, once um, you know, the lead, leaders are aware of this, we can start thinking about how we address that and making sure people know that pointing fingers isn't going to ensure you get a big pay rise, a big promotion, or you get to stay in the business more than someone else. Okay, and so if we're talking about blame, and, and covering our butts and uh, protecting ourselves and, and pointing the finger elsewhere. I'm guessing there's, you know, th there's an opposite side to blame. Like uh, what, what immediately leaps to mind for me is you know, a responsibility. If, if, if the opposite of laying blame is, is taking responsibility, is, is that what we're exploring? Yeah, that's, that's it. That, you know, I give for each of the monsters, I give a, a, a number of action steps or a, and a number of reasons behind them and definitely um, this shirking of individual responsibility is a cause of it and there's something that's actually called the victim drama triangle which many people in life go into a bit like the bermuda triangle but to do with personal responsibility and when people are suffering from this victim drama triangle um, they see themselves as victims and i don't mean a victim of crime I mean, a victim of, say, a situation in an office and, and so on, where they, they see that everything is put upon them. They see other people as the oppressors and other people as the, the heroes, um, which, which basically lets them uh, step away from taking any responsibility for the situation. But it doesn't help anyone. So what we can do is actually educate our teams about the, you know, the negative consequences of thinking like this and helping people actually be the protagonist in their their own life and at work because then we can start getting rid of this whole concept of who's a good guy who's a bad guy who needs to be a superhero and people can start helping themselves and start helping the business more as well so we're, we're looking at the, the drama triangle um and what you say there was a victim there's a it's, it's something i've seen before actually so it's the victim the persecutor and the rescuer that's right yeah we'll jump into all three roles and depending on the context of the situation will depend on the role we play is is that the one yeah i mean many people will try and occupy the role of victim and be like oh i can't save myself or you know everything is thrust upon me you know the reason i can't achieve this in life is because of this and that will happen to a smaller or a lesser degree but you'll have that in work i mean it's something that i i fell into when i was younger thinking like that thinking like oh people are doing this stuff to me, but it just becomes a barrier to change and moving forward. Because if you occupy that place of victim, then what you're saying is I have no power and no control over what happens to me in life. So it's a very negative position to be in. Whereas if you go actually, no, I do have control and these are things I can do and how I can be productive. Um, you know, you, you've got a chance to actually make things better for you and for everyone. Okay, so so we've got this victim mindset, which you know it precludes us from taking responsibility because you know I'm not at fault. It's it's always someone else's fault. How do we get out of that? We 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 want to look on the positive side. We want some high energy. We want to uh, create a business that's moving forward and thriving and got great energy. How do we just park that to one side and 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 move forward? Well, I think education is the first thing. Awareness breeds change. First of all, we need to make people aware of these issues and obviously this is a tricky thing to do 
because you can't go into an office and point fingers at people and go, oh, you've got a, a victim mindset because you're into finger pointing, right? So it's best to have like a work general workshop or seminar company-wide and talk about these issues in a very honest and mature way um, and relate to people's stories who are outside the business about how they've changed. And by having these positive role models come in and show how there's different ways to think about things, things which are more positive and, pro and proactive, we can actually uh, start to see a change. But leadership have a key role to play in this. If the people at the very top point fingers or and do this whole persecution thing, they play, play along with that triangle, then it's going to lead the whole culture down that route. Whereas if the leadership aren't like that and set that positive example and help to kind of stamp out those that kind of thinking, uh, then that can make a big difference. I mean, an another thing you can do is have a really open and transparent culture because what comes with blame is gossip, right? Oh, Sandra did this, you know, Tony did that. So you get that. Whereas if you have just honest openness and feedback around everything you start to kill all of that stuff off so everything starts being more out in the open and in fact next time something goes wrong in a project rather than point fingers and not learn anything what a company should do is start having learning moments within the business so say maybe you do go to a pitch and it goes wrong rather than people going like oh well tony you did a terrible job with the graphics or whatever reason you think it is no, turn it into a learning moment and work out how you can come back stronger the next time and do it as a team. So, so you mentioned there that the, the leadership have a strong role to play. Um, I think I've heard someone best describe it, the one that I related to and thought is the culture of every business is like the solar system and the owners are like the sun. Everything radiates out and starts from the sun and that's culture, that's behaviours, that's the values, that's the work ethic, I guess. It's the style of things all starts from the sun and radiates out from there. And the further away you get from the sun, the, the less intense the, the influence is from the, the, the sun or the energy of, of the leaders. Is that what we're talking about here? I think that's true to a certain extent. I think everyone has an opportunity with, in an organisation to lead from wherever you are within the business. But yeah, senior leaders, due to their visibility, have a, a key role to play. Okay, so how, how can they have that positive impact that we're, we're looking for in, the, in the, the workforce? Well, I think uh, leaders should first look at levelling up their own soft skills, their own ability to listen, to communicate, to delegate, to regulate their emotions, um, to be that positive example, and also to start looking for the good in people around them and start thinking positively of the people around them because expectations are extremely powerful. Yeah. If someone comes into my office and I have a negative expectation of them, say I have a new sales team member start and the last couple of salespeople I've hired have not really cared about the company. They just want to come in, hit the phones, hit their targets and then go again. Then maybe when this new person starts, I'm, don't bother asking them to any company-wide meetings or anything because I've already got this negative expectation of them. And this person who might have been enthused about being more involved in the company actually becomes less and less enthused and they become that set, that kind of, you know, half bothered member that I expected in the first place. Whereas if we flip, 
flip it around and we go, no, this time the salesperson is going to be really involved and I'm going to support them being really involved by asking them along, engaging with them, giving them all the resources they need, then we start creating a self-fulfilling prophecy of how people are going to perform in our business. So if we're, if we're, we're taking this on board, we're listening to what you've got to say and we're going, look, I need to change my attitude. I need to change some of the behaviours and how I see the world and perhaps remove some of the filters with how I'm seeing things. How long does this change take to um, come into effect and people start experiencing me different as a leader? You can wake up tomorrow morning with a different mindset and the change begins then the change could begin as soon as you finish listening to this podcast that instead of looking at things with a critical eye and always finding the negative and like the five worst things that someone's done today you find the five best things that they've done today and then that ripples across your whole team with everyone starting to look for the positive and good uh within each other and within the team so you can start right now there's not a perfect moment there's not, and, and I think this is a big thing that stops us taking action. We're like, oh, I'll, do you know what? I've got so much on this quarter, all these projects to deliver, and then I'm going to Spain for three weeks. And then maybe when I come to that, come back from that, I'll start thinking about leadership and team training. And then it never happens. Just start, so just start small and just start now and just build bit by bit. Don't, don't wait for that perfect moment. People can start right now. And that's the, the leaders starting in their mind. How long before the people around them experience and notice the change or, or do we have to actually tell them? I think if you if you have a, a transformed mindset, it should be noticeable pretty quickly. Um, I think the fact that people are listening to this podcast will mean they already have quite a strong, open mindset, but maybe they'll be a little bit hesitant about trying things. But once you actually start doing it, is it, you can make huge transformed formations very quickly. And if you want people to notice, obviously, that's what you need to do, because just small, you know, tiny steps aren't going to be visible. Whereas, you know, changing your perspective on work that's put in at your company, you know, say people put in projects for you to check out and look at. And in the past, you've been more, probably too critical about them and too much of a perfectionist. If you can just go, well, actually, this isn't actually helping. And also, it's not helping our bottom line either. And it's not making my team happy. If I can just be a little bit more uh, loving in a way about it, a bit more positive and embracing of things which are different that I wouldn't have done the same, then your team are going to start noticing that pretty quickly and start feeling a lot better about themselves as well. Right. Yeah. I, I can see, Andrew, I can, can see uh, or imagine in my mind's eye that business owners are listening to this and going, yeah, that's all well and good, but why do I want to do this? I'm, I'm preparing my business for exit. I want to get my business exit ready. I want I'm, in three years. I'm out of here. I'm selling the business. What difference does it make to them on their bottom line? Uh, you, you touched on it. You said it, it influences the bottom line. But in terms of business valuation, what if I'm the business owner? What's in it for me? Well, does someone coming into a business want to buy a business if it always depends on the business owner being present and everything has to go through them, or if a couple of key staff members left because they got got a better offer? because they didn't enjoy the culture of the business. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves. And I think if, you, if people take a moment to reflect, they'll realize actually, if you don't have a business which is strong throughout, you know, with everyone being strong at a level and not just dependent on a couple of key people, then it's not really 
a strong business, not really a robust business, and it's not really a scalable business either. Whereas if you take the mindset of, do you know what, we can actually level up all our people and make them stronger, you can make a stronger, more robust business. And also, if you do that, you can also start taking a step back from it now before you sell it. Right. A lot of people are locked inside their businesses. They feel like they have to be there the whole time because they feel like their their team can't do it and they've got to be there to manage it the whole time. But if you level up your team, uh, give them more responsibility and the tools to work better as a team, then you can actually take a step back and start having more of a life even before you sell your business. Uh, right. So are we saying that uh, if if we 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 focus on these these monsters the eight monsters we we start chipping away and uh getting rid of them <clears throat> the impact on the business will be that we'll have a, a workforce that uh, are working together more cohesively as a team um which is likely to have influence or, or impact on the the productivity potentially the amount of rework i guess potentially staff turnover yeah we'll have staff stay around longer and therefore we'll be more efficient as a whole uh, we'll have a higher level of satisfaction in the workforce, which means people are quite happier being there, um, you know, which, which influences on, 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 on work, work ethic. And, and just the, the, the style of place, the work environment that it is, which will impact on, on you know, for the business owner, you know, they'll go, hey, look, we've got a stable workforce, we've got you know, happy clients, we've got happy staff, you know, the business tends to be worth more, or, if, or at the very least, easier and more attractive to to sell um or, or even hand on to um yeah the employee ownership as, as an eot could be an example the employees be engaged where they want to take it on and, and take the business to the next level and you know because they feel that there's something special about this business through or because of the culture is that the type of thing we're talking about yes you've nailed it yeah what a great uh summary and i think there is something so powerful of putting the keys of your business in the hands of many of your team members and inviting them into the front seat um, and helping them drive the business forward to the next stage of success. And I've worked with business owners who've done this, who are tired of doing everything themselves and making all the decisions. And what they realized is by empowering their team members, they can actually move their business in a new, faster direction than they could their, with their old way of doing things. Yeah. So it sounds, you know, we, we, we talked earlier in the conversation around the, the correlation to team high-performing team sports. And, and the, the, the picture that comes to mind is, is when we train regularly in our roles in that sporting uh, environment, that sporting uh, venue, we just develop that sense of trust, awareness of the person there performing their role right behind us, right next to us, right in front of us, whatever. Um, and we just have a sense, uh, develop a, an intuition or a sixth sense of just knowing that that person is there ready for the handoff. And, and you know, I see it best you know, in, in rugby is, is, is the, the, the image I've got in my mind when, when the player is being tackled and they somehow magically pass the ball out of you know, an impossible situation, knowing that their teammates there already coming through full speed, you know, charging straight through the opposition you know, magic result, try. Um, now that doesn't happen by chance. And, and I guess what you're proposing here is something similar in the work environment. That's right. So to work at such a high level, you've got to have great relationships with your fellow team members and high levels of trust with them. And also 
I think post pandemic, we're living in what I call this brave new world where mm -hmm. everything is permanently changing. Change seems to be accelerating, unpredictable um, in all different areas. So companies need to be more adaptable uh, to these changes. We've got to deal with things like new wealth, you know, satisfying people's uh, wants for a work-life balance and maybe doing four days a week. Um, you know, we've got geopolitical issues. We've got the fragmentation of the workplace, all these pressures and tensions in this brave new world. And I think t teams and businesses need to be more agile and flexible to deal with that. A bit like a rugby player who has to adapt quickly to a situation. And I think unless your team have a really strong mindset and are trained really well like that rugby player, they're not going to be able to deal with all that adversity as well. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There are different pressures on, on owners and workers. Um, you know, we've got a situation where there's low unemployment. There's also, you know, people wanting to work less, as you suggest. Competing pressures, you know, generationally, people aren't necessarily staying with the one organisation. So it's it's becoming a great battle for to attract people to join your business. So, you know, we want to create not only great commercial reasons to be there for them in terms of professional growth and 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 good good um, salary and income, etc. But it's got to be a place where they want to be and want and something they want to be part of. And 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 I guess that's that's related in in the purpose driven business as well. What people are referring to as purpose driven businesses all part of a why do i want to be part of this organization yeah i mean it's huge uh, 59 of people are unhappy at work that many that many so if you're if you want to compete for talent you need to keep that percentage in mind because that means if you're not someone who is consciously making their business a better culture a more enjoyable place to work then other people are going to be. And over time, you'll eventually lose your top performers to those better businesses because why wouldn't you move to a better business? People will. And it's always the good people who leave first. That's right, because they'll get snapped up, won't they? Andrew, we've covered a stack today and it's, and, and it's great to have a conversation that looks boring the cultural side because we always like to think you've got to get the cultural and commercial aspects in balance to, to get a thriving, sustainable business over the long term. From your perspective, what's the key message that you want listeners to take away from our conversation today? My key message is this, that if you want your business to thrive over the decades to come, it's time to change your approach to team and culture and to take it to the next level and to take this moment, this post-COVID crazy time as a moment to really transform how your team and culture works together and make your team stronger so you can embrace the coming years uh, in, as a stronger healthier team some powerful insights there andrew thanks for sharing with us today that's welcome i'll just show my book quickly because i haven't showed the cover but there you go monsters of team performance available on amazon it's, it's available at my website interstellarway.life thanks andrew Thank you very much, Daryl.